And we have a special treat today. I, I introduced him as a guest speaker, and he, he corrected me in the, in the service. Not really a guest speaker, but the guy who's going to give our message today. For many of you, you, you may not know him if you're new to K2, but uh, his name is Steve Andrews. And uh, when Susie was sitting over there, these are two of the absolute most important people in my life. Um, and here's what you need to know about Steve, is that none of us, not one of us would be sitting here today if it wasn't for this man right here. And Steve is the lead pastor of Kensington Church, which is where I was on staff uh, back in Detroit. In 1990, he invited me to be part of a team to start a church called Kensington back in Troy, Michigan. And, um, and it is that church that birthed K2 so that we could come out here and actually start this thing and help bring God's great message of love and grace to Salt Lake Valley. So would you guys give a warm welcome uh, to Mr. Steve Andrews as he joins us today? <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> Great to be I here. I love this man. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for mm. the truth that you're revealing. God, I just pray for thank all you. of our hearts today that we would just be soft and open to you for your good and all your ways are good. Mm. And I just pray thank you so much for Steve. Thank you for your grace on his life and how you have created and are creating a heart within him that just gives itself away. Thank you, God, for the limitless people who have really been blessed because of his faithfulness just to follow you, just to say yes to you. Lord, would you give us that grace today, all of us in here? Give us the grace to just to be able to say yes to you. And we ask that you'll anoint him now so that when he speaks, we hear you. God, we want to hear you speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Hey, um, I got to tell you, no one, I was thinking just being here this weekend, Nels, really true. I've had three or four people in my life who are continually inspiring me to walk closer to Jesus. And I don't know that, any, that anybody does that more than Dave Nelson does to me. Does that happen with you? You feel that from him? It just like draws you to Jesus? Man, I, we've had so much fun. Just so, so glad to be here. And here, here's the other really weird thing. It was just a, just a few weeks past, 25 years ago, when we met. And what's really interesting in that 25 years, I haven't aged a day, but he's gotten really old on me. I don't know, I, I don't know how that happened. Isn't that weird? Strange how that happens. Uh, so, so great to have uh, this day to share this series where uh, if you've been with us, you know we've been talking about the significance, the life of adventure that comes from grace, from finding your significance in Christ, the whole issue of uh, marriage and parenting, and of God surprising us on the adventure of life. And today, we're talking about finances. What's amazing about this is what we just witnessed and experienced the last 15 minutes with this whole thing in Swazi, at the core of that is what? That would have never happened without people living in a right relationship with their finances. Like in the battle to handle money in a beautiful way, everything we saw, when underlying current was, Good management, good stewardship of the resources God has given us that allows us to have an impact some other place in the world. Now, I've got to tell you, when it comes to managing money well, starting K2, the 25-year history of Kensington Church, certainly no way was there ever a better investment than this church. I cannot tell you how I love it here. Don't tell anybody back there, but I like K2 better than all of our campuses in Detroit. You're my favorite. Can you keep a secret? Huh? Awesome. 
Okay, I'm terrible at keeping a secret, so it, it doesn't matter. So why is money such a big issue? Because if it is handled well, it opens the door to freedom and service and possibility and Swaziland. It really is an amazing thing. It empowers the people of our life. It empowers the people here and around the globe. It empowers our families and our friends. Money is an amazing tool. I think the thing that's motivated me most was about seven or eight years ago, I was, I've always struggled with the issue of money. And about seven or eight years ago, I just realized that I had not managed money well, and I was really discouraged. Have any of you ever felt like you'd wasted years of your life with bad money management? Anybody feel that way? Just, okay, there are a lot of us. And I think Satan wanted me just to put my head in my hands and be discouraged. But that's never what Jesus wants us to do. Jesus wants us to look up and think about a plan. And one of the things that motivates all of us is we have dreams for the people we love. Now, I love a lot of people. Uh, I, I love Dave, Dave Nelson. I'm as, is as much or more my brother than my own blood brothers. My commitment and his commitment to me. But this is my, my family minus my son. This is my three daughters and my two sons-in-law and my only grandchild. Although my my daughter, who's holding the little girl, is 37 weeks pregnant yesterday. So what am I doing in Salt Lake? i got to get back there. I don't want to miss the birth of this baby. But I can tell you I have spent hundreds and hundreds of nights where in the middle of the night I wake up and I'm concerned about them. Now, does that make me unique in the room? No. That makes me like every single person here, whether it's your children or your nephews and nieces, or a friend, or your spouse, or your parents. All of us have dreams and longings for the people in our life. And, and nothing has ever affected me quite that way than that little, that, my first granddaughter. In fact, I got another photo of her. This was at the, the Meadowbrook Mansion at a Christmas party, the, one of the, the Dodge House at Oakland University, where Dave Nelson went to college for the first part of his career. He's still famous there for vandalism and other juvenile activities. <laughs> But when I see that, you don't even know her, but when you see that, what do you feel? You, you want her to be protected. You want her to have opportunities. You don't even know her, and you want her to live a great life, don't you? If you say no, I'm going to come off the stage and just pound you senseless, <laughs> right? Because when you have people you love, you just care about them, right? You just, it makes you crazy. And nothing has ever made, made me as crazy as being a grandfather. I mean, talk about it, totally out of control. And so in this, money becomes really important. Because if I manage it well, it could change her life. So, but not only her, but the little children that we just, that we just saw. And if we together, look, look at us, hundreds of us in this room, if we did this together, holy smokes, the power and the momentum and the movement of us together managing stewardship, what belongs to God. So when we talk about it from a perspective of Jesus' day, first of all, everything you have is not yours. It's God's. So all we're doing is trying to manage it well. He has entrusted us to maximize what he's given us. So I want to share with you four simple principles. 
that have been my lifelong battle. And I'm hoping you're going to resonate with at least one of the four. I think you're going to resonate with more, but this, now I'm speaking biographically and how God has worked in me. And as we do this, I want to read you a Winston Churchill quote. He was talking and challenging the Western world to face the Nazis, and we were avoiding it. But this same quote applies to money. Listen carefully. He says, if you will not fight for the right when you can easily win without bloodshed, if you're under 30 right now, I'm just begging you, you listen carefully because this is your life because you can win this battle now without bloodshed. You can start to make great choices in your life right now. If you're like me, one month away from turning 59, I know you're shocked by that. I look like I'm 38, don't I? Yeah, right. He says, but if you will not fight when your victory will be sure and not too costly, you may come to the moment when you'll have to fight with all the odds against you and only a precarious chance of survival. There may be even a worse case. You may have to fight when there is no hope of victory because it is better to perish than live as slaves. He is saying this is a battle to the end. And let me tell you, if you manage money well, it will open up limitless opportunities for you. If you manage it poorly, it literally, it literally will put you in a box and a top that goes on the top. Because you just won't have the opportunities. You will, and what's interesting to me is I have known people who have earned millions of dollars that manage their money poorly. I've earned people, I have a good friend of mine who has worked on, on the line in Detroit making minimal money for the last 35 years. He's happily retired. He manages money well. He's serving God in the world. He's on mission. You see what I'm saying? This is a big deal. That's what I'm saying. So important. And it's one that I have come close to losing. So here's how we're going to do it. First point is simply this. Manage it. Don't love it. Okay? I'm breaking you into groups today. We've got four groups. You're group number one. You get the first point. Okay? Up there, you guys are in the penthouse suite. I don't know what, how much money you paid to get the box seats there. But you're obviously really the most important people here. And so you're number two. This whole section over here is number three. We'll call you the nosebleed section. And then you're number four, okay? So you ready for your part? Okay, you have to wait for it. So number one is when I point to you, you shout out. Only you do it with passion. Okay, let's try it again. Good, awesome. So remember this. This is the first great battle. Money is a wonderful tool. It's a horrible lover. I'm telling you, it won't keep you warm at night. Money is to be managed, not to be loved. Look at this fantastic passage from the Old Testament, the writer of Ecclesiastes. Those who love money will never have enough. Somebody shout amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just can't get enough, I'm telling you. Uh, I thought that was funny. I guess nobody else did. How meaningless, to, how meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. <laughs> yeah. People who work hard. Oh, excuse me. So what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? People who work hard sleep well, whether they eat little or much, but the rich seldom get a good night's sleep. There's another serious problem I've seen under the sun. 
Hoarding riches harms the saver. So we're going to talk in a minute. Saving is super important. Hoarding is perhaps, perhaps nothing more damaging that you can do to your soul than to hoard your resources. Not just your money, but your gifts, your passions, your time, your love for people. Don't hoard it. There's another serious problem. Verse 14, money is put into risky investments that turn sour, and everything is lost, and in the end there's nothing left to pass on to one's children. We all come to the end of our lives as naked and empty as on the day we were born. We can't take our riches with us. I was just reading uh, the, the guy that owns the creation of Nutella. Anybody like Nutella? My kids have traveled abroad, some they think Nutella's great. I'm not a big Nutella fan. The guy that owned that company and many others just died, and he was the, one of the 15 or 20th richest people in the world. And somebody, the, next, the day after he died, said to me, yes, so how much is he worth? I'm like, he's worth zero. Yesterday, he was worth $40 billion. Today, he's worth, go ahead, what is he worth? Zero. It's amazing, isn't it? And so money cannot fill your soul. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 11, he gave us another option. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. You know what those are the words of? Those are the words of a lover. Someone who wants the best for your life. Someone who's going to be there through thick and thin. Someone who will care for you all the way. Money won't do that. And I just want to say personally now, having money let me down by mismanagement or other things, decisions I made, God used that to draw me to a greater love. To the one who could fulfill what the love of money offered but couldn't provide. That's what Jesus does in our lives. You see, when you love money, it creates a crisis moment in your life because money can't give back. And so I wanted just to illustrate this by simply saying this. I have worried so much of my life, and I hear money always shouting something in my head. And then often I hear Jesus almost whispering quietly underneath the shout of what money says. So I'm going to break you into half now into the group. We're going to, you guys are going to split right down the middle. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to split you guys up right here. You're with this side. You're with this side. You guys get to be money. You say, cool. cool. Okay. You guys, I watched you coming in. I could tell you were more spiritual. You get to be Jesus. Okay. Your money and your Jesus. <laughs> uh, I'm glad I amuse myself so easily. So, money, all my life, money has shouted, and you're going to shout it three times more, more, more. That's what money's always telling me to do. Go ahead. Money. More, more, But Jesus whispers quietly, enough. Enough, enough, let me hear you. The challenge is, do you see the difference in my life? I hear these things screaming to me, more, 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 you know, think about, you know, focus on myself, build my life around me. And Jesus is saying, I I'm enough. He's whispering to me. I'll tell you another thing that worry has done to me. You can read Matthew 6. 
Jesus talks about the whole second half of Matthew chapter 6 is about worry. Jesus, Jesus uh, is the antidote to that worry, but money is always saying, worry, worry, worry. Shout it out at me. Just go ahead. You ever, do you ever feel that way about your life? You wake up worried? You wonder about your kids, your job? It's all about that? Jesus whispers to me, rest. Let's do it three times. Rest, rest. So, the, the, so I'm hearing all this stuff yelling at me to be worried and upset. And Jesus is saying, I'm enough, and you'll find rest. Those are the words of his love. Isn't that cool? That's a lesson that's taken me a whole lifetime to learn. I wish I hadn't been so dense. In fact, K2 is a great example. Do you know there's only one thing I don't like about K2? One thing. I love everything about K2. There's one thing I don't like. It's how it started in my office. On a Sunday, 11 and a half years ago, I announced to our congregation, we were in Troy, Michigan, that we were going to be launching our, our first campus in Rochester Hills at Rochester Adams High School, that we were very excited about it. We knew that it was a financially risky decision. It was going to cost a lot of money, but we were really excited about it. The very next morning, Monday morning, and by the way, one of the reasons we're going to start the campus is because I had a whole, I had a whole stable of great communicators. I had Dave Wilson and Dave Nelson to teach with me, two of the greatest communicators in the world. And so I announced this great campus. The next morning, I'm in my office, and Dave Nelson comes in to meet with me. He goes, hey, Steve, you know I love you. You know you're the greatest leader in the world that, that I know of. <laughs> Actually, that's a lie. He didn't say that. <laughs> but he did come in and say, hey, you know I, lo I love being with you. I love this journey. But he said, I just got to tell you something. Susie and I feel like the ground is moving under our feet. And I looked at him for a second. I was quiet. I said, bro, you could have told me on Saturday. <laughs> you know, 48 hours earlier would have made a big difference. I'm not sure I would have launched that campus. Isn't that interesting? I'm not sure. We never even talked. I'm not sure I would have the guts to do it because it was going to be a big expense. It was going to be a big commitment. And all of a sudden, the very next day, I find out that one of, my, one of the two guys that was carrying the vision and communication low of the church with me, that God was moving him. And that's when he went back to his office and the voicemail from Luther was saying, have you ever considered starting a church in Salt Lake City? And so that year, we launched the campus, and we launched K2. And I tell you, it was, it was terrifying. And part of me wanted to hang on to the money and hang on to the plans. And, and one of the reasons we were able to do it was because of one other guy. There's a guy here at K2. You might have seen him. He's wearing a blue T-shirt. He's, he's, he's not real big, dark hair, mustache. And he has a blue T-shirt on that says Kentucky on the front really obnoxious, isn't it? I think his name is Eric Winter, if I'm correct. Anyway, the reason we were able to, to launch a campus and start a church was because Eric Winter had taught us to manage money well as a church and not to love it. We, we could have never done it without him. I forgive him for, for Kentucky, partially. So as we did this, what I want you to know is that God puts us to the test to say, so are you going to love the money? Are you going to think about it? Are you going to build your money around your own life? Or are you going to have a greater vision for your life? Because God's saying to you, uh, okay, one, 
Who said that? Which of you said that? Come here, I'm going to give you a hug. I'm giving you a hug after the service. Manage it, don't love it. Okay, will you remember that? Manage it, don't love it. Second one is this. You guys, penthouse, run from debt. Second thing I've learned is run from debt. You're way better than the 930 service, like three times better. Give me one more. All right, good. Run from debt. Look at what the, look what the scripture says in Proverbs. My child, if you have put up security for a friend's debt or agreed to guarantee the debt of a stranger, if you have trapped yourself by your agreement and are caught by what you said, follow my advice and save yourself. For you have placed yourself at your friend's mercy. Now swallow your pride, go and beg to have your name erased. I just got to tell you, I didn't never meant to do this, but I found, found myself having accumulated debt and put my family and myself under pressure, and part of it I did carelessly. Has anybody ever built up debt carelessly like Steve Andrews? Okay, some of you are honest. Some of you are just hot. You should have raised your hand, but you didn't want to because you even feel the grief about it. Some of you, you did it foolishly. Some of you, how many of you found all of a sudden found that you had this whole load of debt and you don't even know how you got it. It just slowly accumulated over time. You know what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, it's got like a stranglehold around your neck. I did both of those. Scripture just is basically saying, man, don't let debt get you. Bad decisions, especially on a smaller scale. And I, I want you to know something in this. Bad money management is the reducer of every opportunity of your life. At the worst, it's horrible bondage that you can't get out of. But good money management can mean freedom and joy. I know right now, I guarantee you right now, there are people in this room that as you were watching the Swazi picture, you wanted to weep. And part of the reason you wanted to weep, some of you, is because you would love to support a child, but you're not sure you're in a financial position. You, can, you could even add that to your budget. You know what I would say to you? That's, a good, that's, a, that's an okay feeling to have. But what you need to do with it is go out to the lobby or find Eric Winter and sign up for the next Financial Peace University class. I'm just telling you, Financial Peace University changed my life. And running from debt, I found myself, part of it is I carelessly accumulated a huge amount of debt putting my three girls through college. I wasn't even counting the debt. I was borrowing money, doing student loans, you know, national loans. I wasn't even counting the money. And the next thing I knew, I looked at this load of debt. And I was like, like, I'm going to spend the rest of my life paying this off if I don't figure something out. And it was Financial Peace University that turned my life around. So you can celebrate that. Because the principles there are the principles of God and the heart of God. And I want to tell you one thing that I did that is really unusual. I want to just now talk to the men in this room. Because I, I know a lot of women have, have responded to this. Uh, men are much more nervous about it. Six years ago, when I found myself having really been buried under debt, I did something really unusual. I found out that it's pretty unusual. The guy in our church, Dave, uh, Dave Smith, who was teaching Financial Peace University, and he taught it to our leadership team, I pulled him aside and I said, man, I want you to know my wife, Paula, and I, we are not good money managers. And I said, I'm going to ask you something. I know, I know it sounds crazy, but I've grown to trust you through this process. I've seen how you've managed your own life well. I said, will you, become my, will you become the accountability partner to Paul and me 
like for the rest of our lives? And he said, yes. He said, I will. So literally, every uh, financial account I have, my, my retirement account, uh, my, my checking account, if, if I stop at Starbucks, going back to Dave and Susie's house this afternoon, if, if, if he feels like checking my account this afternoon, he knows every financial decision that Paul and I make. And he has given us unbelievable advice. I want to talk to you men. I want to tell you something. I had to swallow a rock to ask him to do that. Because there's something to me as a man that said, well, man, you're, you, ought, you ought to be able to handle this on your own. Do you know what the greatest, one of the greatest devastations that money does in our life? It isolates us from other people. And we make decisions alone. We were never meant to do that. We were meant to find trusted people to work with us. I want to tell you something. I'd accumulated a huge amount of college debt six years ago. It took me four years, and we're in the same pair of tennis shoes for four years. We paid off that college debt in four years. It was amazing. So, so what is it? Okay. All right, man, you just got to run. It's like you got to get out of it. So make it happen. So some of you need a financial partner. Maybe it begins with Financial Peace University. Grab Eric today or, or one of the staff. They'll show you where to find it. Number three is work hard and save it. Go ahead, my, my group over here. Work hard. Work hard and save it. You didn't say anything. Come on. You want, come on now. I've been working out. You see that? See that gigantic thing sitting on my arm? Work hard and save it. Work hard and save it. This is uh, something that often Christians forget, is that work was not a part of sin. It was not a part of the curse. When we turned our backs from God, when you read the beginning of the Bible, work was given as a gift when the world was perfect. You, you hear me? Work was given as a gift when the world was perfect. It's a wonderful thing to be able to work meaningfully and to save it well. Look at Proverbs 6 again. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Somehow I don't think that was in the original. What, what do you think? Would you check the Hebrew on that for me? You lazy bones? Yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer gathering. Isn't that fantastic? We're sitting in this beautiful room today. I've got to tell you, this is, this is a fantastic space. And what a fantastic place for us to to see K2 grow and influence this valley for decades to come. It's very exciting. But yeah, it is. It's amazing. But when, you, when I stand in this room, you know what I, the first thing I think of? This room is here because many of you, many, many of you worked hard and saved. And it was those resources that, that bring us here. It opens up endless opportunities for K2 and for us to impact the world because people worked hard and saved. And again, FPU is a fantastic structure for saving. And again, it's turned my life around. I'm starting to see hope. I was in that Winston Churchill quote, I was one of the guys, I was 50, 52 years old at the time, and I was feeling like I'd made so many bad decisions, it was hopeless. It wasn't. I've seen incredible changes in the last 60, six years. 
just by beginning to respond and honor God. So, (laughs) you know what, my wife, if she were here today, she's like, Steve, you're terrible at that. You're just terrible. Anyway, I'm having fun. Manage it, not love it. I love it. The last one is, you you guys ready? Live to give it. Live to give it. You live to give it. This is the most important one possibly, and that is this way. Mark 10, 45 says this. Jesus said, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And this series has been so good for us. Every one of the, what, the messages in the last five weeks has been about how does the gospel inform the way we live our life. In other words, Jesus Christ invading this earth to bring us forgiveness and redemption and love. What does it mean? Here's what I want you to understand. Live to give it is a picture of the generosity of God. So that when we manage our resources, we steward them, so we manage it, not love it, and we, were, we run from debt, and we work hard and save it. We're, we're participating with God as stewards. But the end result for it to be healthy always has to be live to give it. Live to give it, man. Because at the end of this management, at the end of this work, God wants to see our lives explode with generosity. I mean, it changes everything. I mean, think of generosity, think of every good, think of the best things that have happened in your life. I guarantee it, it was because somebody loved you extravagantly, loved you generously, served you or was kind to you. It could have been as simple as a cup of coffee. It could have been as, as, as deep as your parents paying your way through college. But I'm telling you, generosity changes the world. And when you read your Bible, when you read your Bible, one of the greatest opportunities you have to do in reading your Bible is to see the lens of God's generosity from Genesis to Revelation. So when Jesus says, even the Son of Man, talking about himself, came not to be served but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many, what's he talking about? He's talking about generosity. He's talking about live, live to give it. Like everything, he left the glories of heaven, came down among us, and lived a life of generosity. So every time we express our lives in generosity, our lives are transformed. Generous people are the happiest people in the world. Because you're not clinging on to everything. You're not doing that worry, worry, worry thing. You're doing the rest thing. You're letting God work and move in your life. Right? Right? It's incredible. Generosity is the key that unlocked the door of my life. The, um, do any of you guys read uh, the Bible daily on a, on a smartphone app of any kind? Does anybody, anybody do that? Anybody use version? You have version on your phone? How about version? You guys uh, Bible Gateways, anybody do Bible Gateway? That's another really good one. Uh, I'm, I've been doing the Moravian Text. There's an app where you can, uh, where they give you kind of a select group of Bible readings each day, and I've really enjoyed that this year. It's really cool. But do you realize when you read your Bible that sometimes it helps to have grids or like a matrix for you to read the Bible to help you understand it? One of the really simple matrix when you read the Bible is read, read, read passages and look. You'll find, you won't find it every time, but you'll find it many, many times that so much of the Bible is about the expression of God's generosity. Let me give you a couple examples in the New Testament. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 9.15, 
Paul's talking about Jesus as God's gift. He says, thanks be to God for his indescribable, what? Gift. It's God's generosity that brings us life and salvation. John 3, 16, the, the verse of greatest generosity in the Bible. God so loved the world that he, he gave his one and only son. Romans 8, 32. Paul says, since God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? I could go all, I, I could, guys, I could go on all day about God's heart towards generosity. And I want to tell you something about generosity. It's not painless. I don't, I don't want to lie to you that it's painless. I, so, so I have a 21-year-old son. I should have given him pictures. He's a really, he's a really good-looking guy. He looks like his mother. Something, something miraculous happened. He's 21 years old. He's uh, in Townsville, Australia, finishing up a course on introduction to primary health care. And uh, next week, he's going on a YWAM medical ship for three months into Papua New Guinea. And he's going off the grid for three months. That's him. He just wanted to. He's going off the grid for three months. And I won't hear from him for three months. He's going to be upriver in real remote areas, uh, so, some of the most uh, wild parts of the world. And i, I got to tell you, to be honest with you, it's not painless. I love him. He's my only son. He's a great guy. And literally, I'll, I'll be wondering every day. I'm like, man, I wonder where, wonder where Buddy is. You know, his name is Jeff. I wonder where Buddy is. What, what's he doing? Is he okay? They're going to be serving medic medically, caring for people, giving vaccinating whole communities of people all over around Papua New Guinea. But, but, but what is the picture of generosity? God did not spare even his what? His own son. But freely gave, him, freely gave him up for us. Will he not generously give us everything we need? I'm telling you, part of this fight is to learn to trust that God is going to give you what you need. One last illustration. My dad has been gone 10 years, but he modeled for me great generosity. I want to tell you something really unusual. Dads, are you listening? Dads, if you're listening, say it out loud. I'm listening. I'm listening. Good. Thank you. When I was five years old, my dad was in the, he had a little, little office next to his bedroom in our house, you know, eight, maybe eight by 12, and he had all the business stuff. That was kind of the business office. And, and uh, for those of you that are under 35, you, you won't even know what I'm talking about, but he had a, he had a checkbook. So you don't even know what I'm talking about. I mean, he could literally write a check for $2 to somebody. The check would be this big. You'd think, think he'd had a million dollars. No, it's two, two bucks. And he'd have the big memo section where you'd write in the memo and you'd tear, you'd tear it out. It's like three, three checks. They're huge. It's, it's hilarious. I was five years old. I crawled up into his lap. He was writing checks. I said, Dad, what are you doing? He said, I'm, I'm paying the bills. I'm... I'm I'm uh, paying the bills for this month. I said, would you, show, would you show me what you're doing? He said, sure. He said, he said Here, here's the beginning of the month. And uh, he showed me the, just the little memo square that was left after the check was torn off. He, said, he says, the first check, he said, son, the first check always goes to Jesus. It's 10% goes to the local church. He showed me. I actually uh, remember, my dad was a general surgeon. He, he made a good living. This was back in... So it was 1961. He was still making, making a good living. I remember it was several hundred dollars to the, to the local church. 
He says, that's always, the, he said, son, it's always the first check you write. He said, because that's freedom. You're reminding yourself that it's all God's. That's how you always start. And then there were all these checks to missionary organizations. I remember Campus Crusade for Christ and InterVarsity and missionaries we were supporting around the world. Literally seven or eight checks. He was writing those checks every month. Now it's awesome. You just get online and, you know, want to support me? Steve Andrews Acapulco, you know, Acapulco Fund? There you go. It's done. And I learned two things that day. I learned generosity, but I also learned that my dad understood the principle of transparency and of having other people and not living in isolation. And so he trained me from a young age. And all of the, the decisions I made that were good through the years, particularly the ones about generosity, were all started with him. Am I run, my battery done? Yeah. We've had an intimate relationship all morning. It's my new best bud. It's awesome. So I'm, I'm done. I, I'm, I need to finish it up. Let me finish up with this. I want you guys to know that when Eric and Paula and Dave and Susie and Mike and Susie and Bill and Rebecca Green and the whole team that came out here, Amy, King, the whole gang, when they came out here from Detroit, what was that? That was generosity. Yeah, it was faith. It was, yeah. That's why I'm a terrible question answer. Like, yes, it was faith. But it was basically giving their lives. You know, you, you know what for me? It was painful. I, I'm, I'm telling you, there has never been a week in the office where I have not missed this guy. Never. Missed his laughter. Missed his charisma, his joy, his fun. Because... Generosity costs, but at the same time, when I come here, you're one of the greatest joys of my life. I actually understand the Bible now. When Paul writes to, when he wrote to Christians in the New Testament, he says, man, he says, I pray, I pray for you always, giving thanks to God for you in my prayers. Like, I understand that now. <laughs> it makes total sense because of what God is doing. And so let's finish it this way. Let's win this fight. What do you say? Let's win this battle. So... Let's remember these principles. Number one, manage it, don't love it. <laughs> okay, I give us a C plus. A. And live to give it. Okay, one more time. Manage it. Don't, don't love it. Run from debt. Work hard. Live to give it. Okay, let's see if we can remember those. So God gave me a prayer. Let me finish with this prayer for you. And it's a prayer of love. I felt like God gave this prayer to me this morning. The rest of the message was written earlier this week, but this was this morning. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your giving of yourself. We're grateful for your love that defies belief. And now I'll just pray this on my own. Lord, my prayer, I feel like you gave me this prayer this morning to pray for this incredible team of people at K2 that you would work through them as a community ready to give their lives away. That this valley is a valley that would know the extravagant love of God through Jesus Christ, through these incredible men and women and boys and girls. And so, Lord, in closing, give them wisdom, freedom, 
purpose and generosity beyond limits that this precious community would be a people of faith and then add to it courage to do and accomplish all that you've called them to. We pray this in Jesus' name. In fact, let's say it, in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thanks, you guys.